us tonight. that I can't get away from. So now, this is one we know, and I read this actually just a couple weeks ago, but it just has been with me today. This is Psalm 139, and it says, My substance was not hid from thee when I was made in secret and curiously wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. Thine eyes did see my substance, yet being unperfect, and yet in thy book all my members were written, which in continuance were fashioned, when as yet there was none of them. It's good to know that the Lord is looking ahead at what you are going to be, and He knows it already. Uh, even when you weren't what you're going to be, He still looks ahead and sees that, which is amazing. It's like that's what He puts in His book. It's good to know that. And then, of course, this is a great line. How precious also are thy thoughts unto me, O God. How great is the sum of them. I hope you've taken a few minutes to think about that today. I've had some other thoughts that were not as peaceful as this, but this, these, are, these are great things to ponder about. If I should count them, they are more in number than the sand. That's a lot of thoughts the Lord has toward you. I mean, that's, that should be encouraging. Uh, I read today that when you pick up a handful of sand, there's about 10,000 grains of sand in your hand. And for the whole, the whole earth, there's 17 zeros of sand in the earth. And there's 10,000 times as many stars as sand out there. That's pretty amazing. Yeah, they're still finding them. I did not know that there was more than 10,000 times the number of sand grains of stars out there that they're discovering. All that to say that with all that, the Lord has that many thoughts toward you. And uh, with everything that comes at us, it, is, it, it, it just is uh, amazing to me when you stop and you take consideration of the Lord's plan in your life and His purpose in your life and the work of the Spirit in your life. There really is no reason to remain stuck in the plane of this world that we're in. Uh, it's a lot of work, and there's a lot of problems we have here, but there is access to the thoughts uh, and, and the plans that the Lord has from you. That's a lot to think about. That should overwhelm the work of the enemy that is coming to stop us and defeat us. Uh, that should be an overwhelming tide uh, that comes in of the goodness of the Lord. And I've just been... Um, Totally, I've mentioned this, but I was in the youth camp. Everybody works so hard, but I was the thing that I was overwhelmed about once again was the Lord's personal work uh, in people's life. That we're doing a lot of things, we're engaging. You're doing your place in the wall, you know, holding your place in the wall. But what really matters is that the Lord is doing something individually that is that you can't even calculate. You have no idea what's going on. You can hope for little things, and the Lord is doing great things. Um, I just thank you, Lord, for such a personal work that He's doing. It's, it's not a big, blurry mass of things going on. The Lord is so personal to every single one of us. 
with what he's doing. Uh, that is an overwhelming thought. And thank you, Lord, for that work. Amen? Amen. Let's gather.
Here was I waiting for my great introduction. <laughs> Praise the Lord, it's really good to see everybody. Which really was our purpose for coming up here. Uh, Kathy and I were just sitting in the, the lounge two weeks ago. And we were just sitting talking and we were saying Zoom is wonderful and it's lovely. And you can talk to people for a few moments and, you know, but it would, should be nice to go back up and see everybody. And the minute that she said, I think I can make the trip, we made a couple of phone calls and everything just fell into place in, in a week we were here. So we, we were missing you all. And I want to thank you for again for uh, for your prayers for Kathy and I. Uh, it's been a it's been a bit of a battle, but about uh, well, I, I praise God for the prayers that brought us through the last effort that we were in. And uh, but about three months ago, four months ago, I took a little stroke. And uh, each time it happens, it seems to leave you a little bit slower. And you can't just get going. <laughs> yeah. and, but I've just got to come to grips with it. It is what it is. And, uh, and so we're, we're so grateful to be here. And it's just a, you, you just turn your head and there's some new faces, but there's also faces that we've known for 50 years, so. Yeah. So it's wonderful. It's wonderful to be here. Uh, you know, I, I thought in what Gabriel said tonight, you know, the thoughts of God and how many thoughts he has towards you. And you know, every one of them are good he said, my thoughts towards you are only for good and not for evil. And never, never think God is punishing you for no purpose. Because he's only bringing you closer to the finality of what he has for us. And so we can, we can rejoice. You know, I used to love reading Paul until I got down to places like I glory in tribulation. And I say, Paul, we'll have to park company right here. Because <laughs> that's not where I am. But I've, uh, I, I've learned to accommodate it with... Um, <laughs> Turn in your Bible tonight to the book of Ephesians. In chapter 6, I've been ministering for a little while on the book of Ephesians and when you go in to study the book of Ephesians, a good way of doing it 
really is to take chapter 1, 2, and 3 as the riches that we have in Christ. So chapters 1, 2, and 3 are the riches that you have in Christ. Because the book was written to the faithful in Christ Jesus. And as you're faithful in Christ Jesus, and every one of these promises that are in chapter 1, 2, and 3 all belong to you. And uh, chapters 4 and 5 is the walk that we have to have to maintain the wealth. But then chapter 6 is the warfare. And I believe tonight if I was to ask for a show of hands, how many people are going through something right at this present time and find themselves in the midst of a battle? Because really, there's nobody, I believe today, there's nobody that's got the call of God to be like in the image of Jesus Christ, be a manifestation to the world and bring in the kingdom of God. Now if you've got that calling in your life tonight, God is working in you both the will and to do of his own good pleasure. Because he only has one desire for you. And that's to get you there. You can resist it, you can kick against it, you can do all sorts of things. But it's not going to stop it. Because his plan is set. And the Bible says it will never be annulled. Hallelujah. So God's thoughts towards you are only for good. And chapters 1, 2, and 3 of Ephesians is the, the wealth that we have in Christ and the walk that we have in order to maintain the wealth. But then there's the warfare that we have in which every one of us in here tonight are engaged in. We're engaged in that warfare. Chapter 6 is that Paul writing again to, in verse 10, and he says, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. And we keep saying each time we come up, we keep saying, well, this could be the last time. You know, we're, uh, we're, we're in that category that if the Lord doesn't come and show up, we've all got an appointment to keep. <laughs> you wondering what that appointment is? <laughs> I can... <laughs> Well, it says it's appointed unto man wants to die. But there are going to be some people who are going to be alive and remain. And to be quite truthful, I don't want to die. The last time I've had an experience of dying, I didn't see any pearly gates. 
I saw a struggle for my life, which was contradictory to everything I ever believed. But he says, and if this was my last work to you at White Storm, because you really are my family. And uh, if I was to say this is my last time up in Whitestone and this is the last word I'll ever share in Whitestone, I'd be quite happy to charge you, be strong in the Lord. Amen. Be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. And I love how Paul writes this. Be strong in the Lord and in the power. And he uses different words to what we're normally used to for the word power. We're normally used to dunamis and we're normally used to exousia. But he uses another word in here. And he uses the Greek word kratos and it means to have dominion. Hallelujah. So as you're being strong in the Lord, you're also having dominion. So that sin will not have dominion over you. You'll be more than an overcomer through Christ that strengthens you. So if this was my last charge here, in Whitestone, it would be be strong in the Lord and have the dominion. I mean, we, we read scripture like, you know, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. And then the next thing comes along and I crumble and I crash. I, I've been amazed during this period of time that, and I can talk to you like my family, so. But I, I've been amazed at many holes I've found. Many cracks in the character that you never thought were there. And all you can do with it is repent. Turn to God. Because that's, that's what you call being strong in the Lord. See, faith is not something you have except a trust in God. It's not to receive things. It's the trust that you have in God. And the confidence that you have in God. And so he says... Finally, my brethren. And you know, in some other translations, for this verse of scripture, it says this. It says, I have kept the most important truth to the end. So even he showed them the riches that they had, Showed them the walk that they could have. 
showed them the overcoming power they had showed them that they could be strengthened by his spirit in the man so that Christ could dwell in their heart by faith so that they could be rooted and grounded in love even though he showed them all of that he says I'm keeping the most vital truth for the end And the most vital truth was be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. And put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. See, this is, this is the warfare that we have. We're not warring against one another. We're warring against principalities and powers. And every one of us are motivated. Every day we're motivated. And what we're motivated by is spirits. Whether it's the Holy Spirit or another one. And this is why he tells us to put on the whole armor of God. And we can ask tonight, well, what is the whole armor of God? And I know there's things written here that indicate to us what the armor of God is. But the armor of God, if you're testing Scripture with Scripture, because that's the best way to interpret the book. When you're interpreting the Bible, although we've been used to getting out the concordance and we've been used to getting out commentaries and we've been used to getting out, and, but really, it's only the Holy Spirit that can teach you. So when he says, put on the whole armor of God, what is the whole armor of God? Well, the whole armor of God is light. The armor of God is righteousness. And the armor of God is humility. And when you put on light, righteousness, and humility, what have you just done? Was Jesus clothed with light? Was Jesus clothed with righteousness? Was Jesus clothed with humility? So when you and I actually put on light, righteousness, and humility, then what we have just done is put on the Lord Jesus Christ. And he says, put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision. Make no provision for the flesh. And so it's so important, and Paul says... This is the most important truth of the whole book. It's wonderful to know what belongs to you. It's wonderful to know that you can access it. It's wonderful to do all of that. But he says, what I want you to do and understand is that now I want you to put on the whole armor of God. It's not a bad idea. 
Well, it's not an idea. It's an essential. And so, he wants us to put on the whole armor of God. Now, the reason for that is, when the disciples asked Jesus, hey, what's the sign of your coming? What's going to be the sign of your coming? You know, the first thing he said to them was, take heed. Take heed and make sure no man deceives you. When Paul wrote to Timothy, the first thing he said to Timothy was, Timothy, the Spirit is speaking expressly that in the latter time, some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits. And if Jesus wrote about it and Paul wrote about it, and we're so close to the end of the age, do you think we should take heed? Because we're really engaged in a battle. And everybody is engaged in it. But if you will clothe yourself with light, be clothed in righteousness, and be clothed in humility, then you're going to go through triumphant in this battle. So let me just deal with one aspect of it tonight. And let's just deal with the light part of it. Come on over with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Two Corinthians chapter four. Two Corinthians chapter four, and it says this, but if our gospel be hidden, it is hidden to them that are lost, <clears throat> in whom the God of this age hath blinded the minds of them who believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. So what is the purpose of the God of this age? Well, what's the purpose of God in this age? Let's take that first. The purpose of the God in this age is to renew your mind. The second thing is to illuminate your mind. And the third thing is to completely restore your mind. Can I say it again? It's doing me good. But God wants to renew your mind. God wants to illuminate your mind. And God wants to completely restore your mind. 
Come on, remember, you've been made in the image of Christ. And it says, let this mind. But you have to let it. You have to cooperate with God. Because it's in cooperating with God, I'll work out my salvation. And so the, God wants to renew, restore, and illuminate. But what does the God of this age want to do? Yeah, he wants to blind your mind. Because if he can blind your mind or blind my mind, if he can blind my mind, he can bring me to the place where I can't believe. In other words, he wants to break down your belief system. Can I encourage you again? Stay strong in the Lord. In whom the God of this age hath blinded the minds. So if he can blind my mind, if he can blind my mind, he can bring me to a place of unbelief. If he brings me to the place of unbelief, there's no light can shine in. And if there's no light can shine in, there's no change takes place. And no image is projected. I'm talking about the image of Christ. So that, so that the light of the glorious gospel of Christ whose image of God should shine unto them. So this is where we're engaged. The God of this world wants to blind your mind. God wants to renew it. Hallelujah. The God of this age wants to darken your mind. He doesn't want that image shining in. Look at verse 6. For God, who commanded the light to shine, out of darkness has shone in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. I, I love this scripture. Because the Bible says you were once darkness. Ephesians 5. It says you were once darkness. You weren't in darkness. You were darkness. But now, well, keep your marker there and come to Ephesians 5.
Let no man deceive you, verse 6. Let no man deceive you with vain words, for because of these things cometh the wrath of God upon the sons of disobedience. And he says, Be not ye therefore partakers with them, for you were once darkness, but now are you light in the Lord. I'm going to read it again. Hallelujah. You know, I love the Apostle Paul because many times through the Scripture, he, he brings it out and he says, that's how it was in times past. But that's not how it is now. Things are different. Something happened. And remember, he's shining light out of darkness. For you were once darkness, but now are you light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. Verse 11. Have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them. Verse 13. But all things that are reproved are made manifest by the light. For whatever doth make manifest is light. See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise. Redeeming the time. Yeah. Hallelujah. Yeah. So you were once darkness. But something happened. Something happened. It's called regeneration. Okay, if you... If you, if you went to Genesis 1, you don't have to turn there, but if you went there, you would see that the earth was without form and void. And darkness was upon the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God moved, and the Spirit of God spoke, Hallelujah. And he moved upon that darkness. And when he moved upon the darkness, he said, let there be. And the minute that the light shined, he said, he called the light day. And he said he called the darkness night. And you know, these two things are actually in capital letters, which really brings us to the understanding that light is not something. Light is someone. 
I'm going to go over that again because I see some eyebrows up there. When God moved in the beginning, and the earth was without form and void, darkness was upon the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God moved, and the Spirit of God spoke, and the Spirit of God said, let there be light, and there was light. And he called the light day and he called the darkness night but both light both day and night are in capital letters which indicates to us tonight that light is not something. Light is someone. <coughs> oh gosh. Keep let, let me go and read a scripture in, in Thessalonians. I think it says in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. Is that where I want? See, what you're getting prepared for in this hour is the coming of the Lord. No matter what your doctrinal stand is tonight, He's coming. <laughs> And there could be so many different views and opinions on that, but it's still not going to alter the fact He's coming. And you're being prepared to meet your God, and that's not a doomsday scripture. That's a preparation that's taking place to conform you to His image so that when He does appear, we'll be like Him because we'll see Him as He is. And so in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, and just for time's sake, verse 4, But you, brethren, are not in darkness, that that day should overtake you as a thief. Listen to this. You are all sons of light. You are all sons of light and sons of the day. We are not of the night, nor of darkness. Therefore, let us not sleep as do others, but let us watch and be sober-minded. For they that sleep, sleep in the night, and they that are drunk, are drunk in the night. But let us who are of the day, 
Be sober. Putting on the breastplate of faith and love and for a helmet, the hope of salvation. <laughs> Hallelujah. See, light is a weapon against darkness. Can I just say this? Light is the only weapon you have against darkness. When Jesus came into the world, it was a pretty dark world. But he came in as the light. And you know what he says? I am the light of the world. And they that follow me will not walk in darkness. So let us put on the breastplate of righteousness and faith and love and the helmet, the hope of salvation. That's why when the Bible says a nation is going to be born in a day. It's not a 24 hour day. It's not even a thousand year millennial day. But a nation is going to be born in Him. It's called the generation of Christ. So we're standing in an awesome, wonderful, glorious time. And you see what the God of this age wants to do is strip that away from you. Strip it away. Come on, you 2 Corinthians chapter 11. This is the Apostle Paul speaking again. Would to God you bear with me a little in my folly and indeed bear with me. Verse 1. 2 Corinthians 11, 1. I thought you would have known that. <laughs> she won't give me any lunch tomorrow. <laughs> For I am jealous over you with godly jealousy. Listen to this. For I have espoused you to one husband that I may present you as a chaste virgin to Christ. Right. Hallelujah. Sometime in your, in your own time, just read Hosea chapter 2. Should I allure them into the wilderness that I might speak comfortably to them? but I have espoused you to myself in faithfulness in loving kindness in mercy hallelujah same word 
So he says, I have a spouse, choose to one husband. Come on, who's your true husband tonight? Christ is your true husband. And listen to what Paul said here. But I fear, lest by any means as the serpent beguiled Eve through his craftiness, so your minds should be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. What a scripture. He said, this is what I've done for you. I've espoused you to Christ because I'm espousing you to him as a chaste virgin. I'm not saying tonight you've got to disregard your natural husband. But you have a spiritual husband called Christ. And he says, But I fear, lest by any means a serpent beguile you, Corinthian church, just like he did right back in the garden. And what was it he did in the garden? What was the first thing he did to them in the garden? He got their attention, he got their desires. He caused them to doubt instead of stay in faith. I'm talking now about after the fall. But consider what they had before the fall. Because that's what Jesus Christ has restored you to. And so consider what they had before the fall and then consider what they had afterwards. So what did the enemy do to them? Caused them to doubt? Stripped away the fear of God? Hath God said? When God hath said? All he did was rearrange the sentence, use the same words and trick them. If God hath said, hallelujah, he means it. He'll fulfill it. Stripped away the feet of God. But what he did was he allured them, beguiled them, whispered in their ears and got them out. For un, from underneath the government of their true husband. What does the enemy want to do today? I fear lest this happen to you. Corinthian church. You know, I often wondered, Paul, why did you write, put on the whole armor of God to a church that was faithful? Nothing written to them about government. A church in total order. Why did you write to them, put on the whole armor of God? Why didn't you write it to this Corinthian church? That you feared they were going to be beguiled. No, but you didn't. That's why tonight he's releasing something to the body of Christ again. 
and it's called the whole armor of God. Hallelujah. But I fear lest by any means. Come on over with me to Romans chapter 13. Romans chapter 13. I love this verse of scripture and I probably use it a lot. There's a great guideline for me. He says in verse 11, and that knowing the time, that now it is, it is high time to awake out of sleep for now is our salvation nearer than when we believed. What a, what a powerful scripture. And that knowing the time. There's two words for time. Kronos, which means the time of day. And then there's kairos. Or kairos. And this is what Paul uses in here. The Greek word kairos. But this is what it means. It means it's a time at which foreordained events are taking place. Do you know that you're living through a time of prophetic fulfillment? Yeah. <laughs> Knowing the time, there is now high time to awake out of sleep, for now is our salvation nearer than when we believed. In other words, the fullness of your salvation is nearer now than the day you believed. Hallelujah. You're, you're closer now to D-Day. Knowing the time, that now it's high time, a time at which foreordained events take place. Another thing that this word means is the appropriate time for an unrecurring incident. See, once the Lord comes, that's, that's, this dispensation's over. So we're just encouraging one another to get things done this side of the veil. It's high time to awake out of sleep because your salvation is nearer than when you believed. Listen to verse 12. The night is far spent and the day is at hand. Well, if the Apostle Paul knew that the end of this age was upon them, that's what he means. The night is far spent. The day is at hand. How many of believe tonight we're standing on the threshold of a new day? We're standing in a time. Could we be the generation that could see the coming of the Lord 
I, I believe we could be. Amen. Hallelujah. My expectation is there. And each time I die, God just seems to raise me up and bring me back. Because I've always believed I'd be alive and remain at His coming. And I still believe it. <coughs> Hallelujah. So you might have me around for... <laughs> you might have me for another visit. I've just told the Lord I want to be a bit healthier than what I... <laughs> But nevertheless, the night is fast spent. The day is at hand. The new day is dawning. Hallelujah. There's a new day dawning. Look at verse 14. But put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make not provision for the flesh. I just want you tonight to stay strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. You see, if you took the tabernacle pattern tonight, which is probably something a lot of us haven't heard a whole lot of for, for some time. But if you take the tabernacle pattern, there's three levels of light that you can move in. How many compartments was in the tabernacle? There was three. There was the outer court. And if you're moving in the light of your outer court, you're moving in the light of your own understanding because it had no covering over it. But you did have the brazen altar and the brazen laver. But you had no covering. But when you move into the holy place, you'll see this in Isaiah 60, I think it is. But when you move into the holy place, there's another light there. And that holy place is actually the church age. Because the measurement of that compartment is 20 by 10 by 10. And that's 2,000. And the church age is 2,000 years. Everybody's tried to pinpoint when it started, when it'll end. Good luck to you. The only thing we have to be is ready. So there's the outer court with no light, except the light of the sun, natural sun. So when you're moving in that, you're moving in the light of your own understanding. But there's another place to live. And it's called the holy place. And the holy place light is the candlestick. It's an amazing thing. But the candlestick is the only piece of equipment in the tabernacle that had no measurement to it. Because there's no measure to the level of light and understanding that the candlestick can take you to. 
But it's only keeping, it's only preparing you for another step into another realm of light. Hallelujah. And that little compartment there is called the Holy of Holies. And it was 10 by 10 by 10, which is a thousand. So when Paul said the night is far spent, what was he saying? The church age is almost over. But we're ready for a new day. And there's a different light there. Hallelujah. It's called the light of the glory that we read about in Corinthians. The light of the glory of God. The Shekinah glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. See, the God of age doesn't want this to, the God of this age doesn't want this to happen. Because once this happens, hallelujah, he's in a pit for a thousand years. And if you knew you were going to be in a pit for a thousand years, would you put up a fight? But you don't have to be part of it. Because you're not children of the night. You're children of the day. So there's a light of your own understanding. You can move in that. And you can be born again and you can be baptized in the Holy Ghost and still move in the light of your own understanding. But once you're moving through the tabernacle, you're going in increased light. Isaiah calls it the everlasting light of God. And when you move into the Holy of Holies, you have the outer court, the holy place, the Holy of Holies. And when you move in there, you move into a light that's going to supersede anything we ever thought or understood. But your understanding gets enlightened. So can I encourage you tonight? See, we're living in a time when we're actually living through Isaiah chapter 60. Darkness shall cover the earth and gross darkness to people. But the Lord Hallelujah. The Lord shall arise upon you. I think that's an amazing scripture. I've probably been walking with the Lord for about 50 years. I got saved in 1965. So I've probably been walking from the, with the Lord from that time. But I have never seen such a display of open demonic activity in the heart of humanity. And God predicted it. Isaiah prophesied about it. Hallelujah. 
Because when he said, Arise and shine, he was giving us a picture of Zion in the kingdom age. Hallelujah. You're the Zion of God. So arise and shine, for your light is come, and the glory of God is risen upon you. Hallelujah. We can move through this world with the light of the glory of God. I don't have to live in the light of my own understanding. I don't have to have a million opinions that don't mean much. And the body of Christ, unfortunately, is full of opinions. Different opinions. Really? Surprise, surprise. I came all that way to tell you this. <laughs> I'm going to go to Rome, uh, Revelation chapter 22. Now we're down at the end of the book. Revelation chapter 22. Well, I'm just going to read the first five verses. Because it's all so good. And he showed me a pure river of water of life, clear as crystal, proceeding out of the throne of God and of the Lamb. In the midst of the street of it, and on either side of the river, there was a tree of life, which bore twelve kinds of fruits, and yielded her fruits every month. And the leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. Even so, come quickly, Lord Jesus. Boy, if ever there was a time when we needed a move of the Spirit of God to heal the nations, And there shall be no more curse. Everybody should shout amen. Yeah. amen. And there shall be no more curse. But the throne of God and of the Lamb shall be in it. And his servants shall serve him. And they shall see his face. And his name shall be in their foreheads. Don't let the enemy of your soul blind your mind. They shall see his face. And his name shall be in their foreheads. Listen to this. Verse 5. And there shall be no night there. Glory. Wouldn't it, wouldn't it really be worthwhile just flipping over to First John? Keep your marker there and we'll go to First John. You could quote this, but... I, I just want to read it so we don't miss nothing. 
1 John chapter 1. This then is the message which we have heard of him and declare unto you that God is light and in him there is no no darkness at all and if I'm immersed in him and he's immersed in me hallelujah there'll be no darkness there or might try and get there but you'll have the ability through the power of the dominion of God that is resident within you We declare unto you that God is light and in him there is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship. We have fellowship one with another and the blood of Jesus Christ, His Son, cleanses us from all sin. That's the result of living in the light. In Him there is no darkness at all. Here's another one in Chapter 2, verse 10. He that says he's in the light and hateth his brothers in darkness even until now. He that loveth his brother abideth in the light. Hallelujah. So what's the criteria for the fellowship? The requirement for fellowship is to abide in the light. The minute there's, there's a break in fellowship, there needs to be a repair of the light. And you repairers of the breach and restorers of paths to dwell in. The pattern for the fellowship is to abide in his love. And the proof of the fellowship is to abide in his life. Hallelujah. But he that... And it, it, we'll just read this one. He that loveth his brother abideth in the light. So can I encourage you? Abide in the light. Love one another. Abide in the light. And then bring this scripture to pass. Bring, bring chapter 22 of the book of Revelation to where it needs to be. In a body demonstrating the kingdom of God. And there shall be no night there. And I say it again. There shall be no night there. What does that really mean then? There'll be no darkness there. 
There will be no darkness at all. So now is the time to cast off the works of darkness and put on the armour of light. You need no lamp, neither the light of the sun, for the Lord God giveth them light and they shall reign forever and ever. That's a pretty long time to my 84 I've already got. This is not something that's been done in a corner for a day and a night. This is something that's being done by God in the light. Because it's in His light we see light. Can I encourage you tonight? Don't let the enemy rob you. I don't care how old you are or how young you are. Don't let the enemy rob you of God's thoughts towards you. Which was the first line in here tonight. The thoughts of God. Hallelujah. He's only got one thought in mind for you. And you're the apple of his eye. Hallelujah. So when he looks out of the eye, the only thing he can see is you. So it's wonderful being with you again. So arise and shine. For your light has come. And you can either move in the light of your own understanding. Or the light of the candlestick. Or the light of the glory of God. In the face of Jesus Christ. Can I ask you a question tonight? No matter where you are tonight. Make a move. Make a move. Hallelujah. And let the glory of God. I'm just going to say it one more time. Arise and shine. For your light is come. And the glory of God. Is risen. Upon you. I bless you. It's been so good being with you. Hallelujah. Thank you. Praise the Lord. We love you.